0: This morning, uh, as we've come, I would say thank you for your expressions of kindness over, over the month of uh, June. There, there's been a lot of generosity, or May, there's been a lot of generosity shared with us throughout the year. But uh, we want to thank you for the kindnesses that you've shown here uh, uh, to Robin and I, and we're very appreciative of it, and we thank you. None of it is uh, lost upon us, and we are grateful to all of you, and we thank God for the leadership of our church, for those who serve in any and every capacity, and uh, we thank God for those who do those things that are seen and those things that are not seen, and uh, all of those things are valuable and uh, advance the kingdom of God. Amen. Well, this morning I wish all of you a very happy Father's Day, men. You are, you know, by design, you are a father, and I thank you for being. Men of God, and for those who have been uh, providing mentoring influence and fatherly uh, involvement in the lives of others, we thank God for you, and uh, we are, you're precious to us, and we are thankful for you, Amen. Well, this morning I want to just take a, a moment before we get into the scripture here uh, to welcome all of you on this Father's Day. Thank you, and uh, for being here and sharing part of your Father's Day with us, and. Uh, Uh, We are delighted uh, that you are. And I'd like this morning to introduce some things to you. And uh, just as a word of note, I do encourage you to express your gratitude in person as much as possible to um, Crystal Honeycutt and Joe and all of the team that uh, volunteer here each week to minister to the children and Children's Church. And, uh, you know, let's never take for granted the great things that God is doing in the lives of our kids every week, uh, through these dedicated, uh, Crystal and Joe are very precious people. They love the Lord, and they are have a beautiful family, and and they have adopted you into theirs. And we certainly are delighted that they're part of this one here. Also, for those who uh, provide care in our nursery, uh, we thank God for Jeff and Barbetta Moffat who have overseen that ministry with great excellence and diligence over the years and uh, so even if you don't have a child uh, that would be in the nursery please take time and thank them because they just make things work better for all of us by providing uh, such wonderful care and uh, we're grateful for them and one of the things that we've looked forward to here is God uh, building this house up uh, to honor him to glorify him And everything in life is a journey. You have a starting point and you advance and you move through things. And and God does different things in different seasons through different people and different times. And and certainly we're blessed here at Bethel as God has brought and moved and directed some things here where we can do something different than maybe what we've ever done here. Uh, Over years and years here at Bethel, there have been those who have... uh, have served on staff, and the church was, uh, you know, able to compensate them financially for what they were doing here, uh, the wonderful work of ministry they were involved in, and we're not in that place in this season that we can do that, but God is uh, always seeing the big picture. He knows the beginning from the end, and he's able to do things that are really obvious to us when we prayerfully look at them and see them as being God-sent. And so this morning, I want to introduce you to uh, our, our, our pastoral team. And you say, what's this mean? Well, it means that we have uh, some folks that God has brought into our church who are, uh, we have, all of them are credentialed license holder ministers with the assemblies of God, and we're delighted to have them here in our body. They have uh, offered to serve in different areas to volunteer and to help. And we are delighted to have them here as part of a team. And so each of them have their own gifting, and they have shared with me, we want to bless this house, we want to be part of what God's doing here, and i got to tell you, we're very happy for that. And the first couple I'd introduce to you here this morning is uh, Kevin and Remy. You all know Kevin and Remy, and Kevin and Remy will be serving uh, here as our pastoral care pastors and so we thank god for them would you come on up uh, and uh, just give them a little welcome when they come up and let them uh, and, uh amen and uh you know these you just stay here if you want these are two wonderful people kevin's been part of the church here for many years and uh, you know kevin uh, uh he has you know, been rich in ministry here he has blessed the men of the church and remy has done so many things in kingdom work, and uh, and we thank God for her ministry here and what that's going to mean for the church here, and so we also uh, where's uh, Bree's working toward her cred- her uh, credential here. Bree and Matt, would you come? They're serving as our uh, director of student ministries, and uh, we are thankful for them. and uh, just jump right, right on beside them. They've been serving in this capacity for the last couple of years and they've given of their time. And I want to tell you any of these folks that you have an opportunity to bless along the way, please do so. Because no one is doing this because they're getting anything, actually, than a blessing. Uh, then you know i will say kevin and uh, uh, remy are going to be serving here on staff and as they travel there's certainly some compensation and remuneration for doing things that involve their travel and caring for people and so but everyone that you see here has offered their time and said we just want to be a blessing to the church but you know what my vision is for bethel is that we will continue to grow through the ministries of the church The Lord will be glorified, and we can do more for those who serve. Amen. Amen. So, at this time, we also want to welcome. uh, I see Josh and Sarah Little, and Josh and Sarah, would you come? And they have some really great kids. We welcome Josh and Sarah. Josh is uh, uh, he is uh, uh, an ordained Assembly of God minister and has served in Allentown. Both of he and Sarah for. 15 years or so and uh, they have recently come back to the area here and uh, i love their heart they said hey we want to be part of what god's doing here we'll we'll do and serve in any way we can and we're delighted to have them and so they're going to be working with the development of community life here at bethel and uh, as you know we're going to have in the fall we're going to have small group ministries and outreach ministries that develop and uh, these are some beautiful folks that are going to be part of that and uh, leading and giving direction. And, and uh, not, uh, last of all, but not least, is uh, uh, Jeff and Leah Dietrich. Jeff, would you come? Uh, Jeff is uh, uh, a great uh, father, husband, and uh, uh, we're, we're delighted to have he and Leah. Leah keeps him in line uh, somewhat. And we are delighted to have them, and, and they will be providing oversight for our discipleship ministries and setting forth discipleship tracts uh, for the church and keeping us online as we pursue uh, the vision that God has given us here for the church. And, and um, Jeff will be working and, and have uh, support uh, here from Jim and Maggie Brewer, and we love having Jim and Maggie here as well. They're going to be doing the practical life. Uh, at a track of ministries here and uh, Jeff will be providing oversight for all but he'll be working on some good rich bible uh, study for those who want to get into the word deeper and uh, we look forward to that as well so how many think this is a tremendous thing here God has blessed our church in such a great way Uh, so all of these all of these team members are working for the advancement of God's kingdom here at Bethel and in the surrounding region. And so you say, what's the goal here? Is everyone shares a desire to see the Lord glorified and the church build up and uh, for Bethel to experience the greatest days it's ever seen. And we believe that's possible for his glory and by his power. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask if you'd stand with me. We're going to extend our hands toward all of these. and. Uh, we uh, We are just excited beyond words. Father, we thank you, Lord, for each of these couples, Lord, and their families. Lord, they are beautiful gifts. They are kingdom gifts. And, Lord, they are here for the advancement of your purposes at Bethel and in the surrounding region and around the world. And so, Father, we pray that you'll place your rich anointing upon each of their lives, that you will flow into them, through them, and, Lord, speak into their hearts, speak through them, Lord God, and let them walk, Lord, in that intimate, holy place so that, Lord, as they break forth the things that you reveal to them, that you share with them, Lord, will minister for time and eternity. In Jesus' name, we love them, we pray for them, and we, Lord God, will bless them each and every day. Thank you, Lord, for Crystal. Thank you for uh, Joe and Barbetta and Jeff and for all who serve here, Lord, everyone who serves in any capacity, Lord, from the most visible to the most uh, discreet, Lord, we pray and believe in Jesus' name that you will bless and enrich each life and that Bethel will see increase to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) God bless you. Thank you. Thank you all. Love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you. I'm getting a little slow on the uptake here. (laughs) Remy, it's great to have you here. Jeff. Jeff, uh, he's a a wonderful brother. I love him, and I love all of these folks. Uh, Josh, and I'm going to get my... I haven't been uh, drinking this morning. I'm just staggering a little bit. One more thing. Hey, uh, uh, Tim, come here a minute. Come on. Yeah, just stand up, would you? I want people. I want people to meet my friend. Come here, Tim. Come on. I wa- this is one of the most precious brothers in the, in that we've met here at Bethel in some time, and it was his heart's desire to see his uh, little girl baptized. Yes. And I want to tell you, uh, Tim, you are uh, a fast friend, and you're a lifetime friend to me, and we are so glad that you're here. Yes. And. Thank you for sharing this moment with us. So if you don't know this young man, he is someone of great depth, and when you sit down and chat with him, it is obvious that God has his hand on his life. And his mom's here, Jody, is she still here? Has she been raptured? Oh, okay, she's still in the building, standing in the back, and it's great to have you here. We love you, buddy. You take care. Let's wish this guy a very happy Father's Day. We love you, buddy. just some of the great things that god has blessed us with we have so many people that we regard as friends in in the body of christ it's uh, a joy to be part of a fellowship uh, to be part of a kingdom that uh, is bigger than the walls of the church and we thank the lord for it it's great to have you here this morning and uh we, we thank God for all of you who are visiting here. If you don't have a church home, you're always welcome to come back and be part of this one. I want to talk this morning for uh, a few moments, and before I do, I want to say uh, the most uh, significant uh, man on the planet for me uh, is in the house today, and that's my dad, and he's sitting right in, behind Matt Bennett over here. Uh, he is uh, the real deal. He's lived Jesus. He's modeled Jesus for me, and uh, and I will say that uh, my mom has done a good job raising him. And so she's there, and we thank God for both of you. Amen. It's uh, a great pleasure uh, to have have them with us. They haven't been here in a few years, and and uh, I'm glad they're here today. And uh, I said, you you haven't even heard me preach in three years, and. Uh, i um was that on purpose Uh, was it and uh but uh you know with covid and uh you know things that have gone on in life things happen they're not getting older but if they were uh those things are sometimes challenges so first samuel chapter 17 i'm going to look again and and we're going to finish this is a two-point not a 10-part message the supernatural slaying of a giant and six other areas in which God used David to inflict defeat upon a larger enemy. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse uh, 52, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. And then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath in the gates of Ekron, The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Sherem, as far as Gath and Ekron. And then the Israelite army returned and plundered the uh, deserted Philistine camp. And David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, where he stored the man's armor in his own tent." You know, we shared last week, so I'm not going to share a great deal about it, but uh, for those who are familiar with the, with the surroundings that David would have been shepherding in, um, there isn't much there, D- the wilderness area, and a lot of times the only things that were there were stones and time. You remember we shared this before. Uh, The only things that they had many times were as they watched their flocks and cared for them were stones and time. And, uh, you know, David utilized the time to reflect upon God, to worship Him, to grow in an intimate relationship with God as a young man. And everything that God did in those early years of his life would be important to what David would become and what David would do later. And so what David did when he slew the giant, really wasn't an aberration. It wasn't one of these quirky moments where something odd just happened that would never happen at any other time. But David was being raised up in the Lord to do great things. And it's important to keep in mind that what God does at a foundational level is, is the most important part of anything that will ever happen in a person's life. Because the foundation will give support. It will give strength to everything that is built upon it. And it will host the weight of everything that God wants to raise up in a person's life. And so David was a man, a young man in whom God was moving and speaking. And as a man who had much time, he thought about God. He worshipped God. He sang to God. He had... uh, Thrown some stones, I imagine, slung some stones during his time, both in defense of his, his animals and maybe just when he would get bored, he had time to stand and fling stones and become pretty good at it. The Bible doesn't really give us much of a clue as to what else shepherds would do during that period of time. But as David grew up, we know he had both endless time and a great resource of rocks. And so all of that stuff was going to be used at some point in his life. And the day he stepped forward to face Goliath, it all came to fruition. And as we look at the Scriptures here, we see this epic confrontation of Goliath by David. And we see that this would be a a confrontation that would strike a note that would resonate throughout all eternity. Almost everybody that lives in this nation—almost—I can't. I don't know how many wouldn't, unless they have no, no, no scriptural, you know, um, education at all. But we've all heard of David and Goliath, and David represents what most people would view as the underdog, and Goliath was the overwhelming favorite in this matchup. His victory over Goliath was not just a blow which would cause death for Goliath, but it would serve and inflict great damage upon the enemies of God. Because the report would go forward that there is a new champion. And it's not the one who stood almost eight or nine foot high. It was a young man who came out of nowhere who slew the dragon well, I, you know, dragon, so to speak. Not literally, that's another story. Goliath, that behemoth who stood before, this was a both a, a, a an instrumental and supernatural victory. You know, you can't discard that David physically stepped forward. He didn't go forward in uh, Saul's armor. It didn't fit for him. He wasn't used to it, didn't like it. And he went forward, and what he knew best, he carried a sling and some stone with him, and, and he would go out to face this giant. But, you know, that part of it was a physical, willing, obedient individual who was willing to step forward. And God always asked for that. God does the supernatural, but God wants availability from you and I. And God wants you to be an instrument to do something significant and great. And David would be part of something significant and great that even 2,000 years later that you and I would be talking about here today. This was a supernatural victory uh, uh, brought forth through a young man named David. You know, when we think about the things that were accomplished through David's death, and we referenced these beginning, I think we got to two points. Out of uh, six, I think. But uh, six things that David inflicted through this defeat upon Goliath that were more significant than maybe just slaying a giant. You know, he defeated the spirit of cowardice. He at least caused great damage to a spirit that had inflicted the armies of Israel from the higher rank to the, to the rank and file, they were all petrified in fear when they saw this giant coming forward. You know, the Bible says in verse 11, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. I think it's very significant that it includes and begins with Saul being the one who's mentioned here as being terrified. You remember Saul was a man who stood head and shoulders above everyone else. He, in his own rank, was a, was a champion. He was a, the king of God's army. And as he sees this giant coming out and insulting the army of Israel, he, he quaked in fear. He was, a, a, he was propagating fear by his own response. And, you know, as leaders, we can't afford to promote fear because everyone who follows is going to be stricken and affected by it in some way. So if you're leading your children, you don't want to be a fearmonger. You don't want to be a people a person who leads in fear. There are a lot of things going on in this world today and as bad as they get, there's not one, not one of them that is beyond God's hand. Not one of them you think about the very worst of possibilities that could take place not one of them is greater than god and see we look at fear and it causes it produces anxiety but it also creates chaos in the in our lives and affects those around us so it's not one of those insular afflictions that someone suffers and it can be self-contained when you have someone who is consumed with fear it quickly it spreads it's an evil contagion that just spreads throughout the sphere of influence of those who are taken by it you know let's think about this for a moment it was absolutely reasonable that everyone would be afraid absolutely reasonable justifiable by reason i want you to hear that again justifiable by reason by what could be seen, it was justifiable. By what they were hearing, it was justifiable. Before we are too hard on Saul and all of these soldiers, we've got to acknowledge that this fear was a reasonable response based upon what they could see and what they heard. He was bigger. He was stronger. He was extremely, an extremely intimidating figure. And Israel, naturally speaking, had no one to match him. If you went pound for pound, they had no one to match him. And so it was a perfectly understandable response uh, uh, response to the situation. So if you're feeling okay about living in fear because of what I just said, I want to say this. It was a perfectly reasonable response to someone who lives within a very small view of God come on church how many of you your god's a big god my god is bigger what was that song the kids sang? my god is so big so strong and so mighty there's nothing my god cannot do come on now that's our god we're not serving these other wannabes everybody else other than the god of scripture is a wannabe We subscribe to one. That's the thing. When you look at it, he's bigger than every enemy. He's bigger than any disease or affliction or possible thing that could come your way. There are a whole host of things that could happen to you today or tomorrow, and you and I have no knowledge of them, and we have no control over them. But our God is bigger than this moment. And he's bigger than the moments that have not yet unfolded. The things that are coming down the pike, they are going to meet up with the God whom you put your trust in. You know, when I think about this today, courage uh, was not a reasonable response based upon a pound-for-pound comparison. It was not a reasonable response. You know, fear was the reasonable response when you look at things, comparing them pound for pound. But when you look at them from a different point of perspective, when you look at them through faith, then you see something that the rational and finite mind can't get a hold of. The limited mindset cannot get a hold of the things that faith thrives on, finds and identifies with, and thrives on. Goliath was bigger, he was stronger, and he was an extremely intimidating figure. And naturally speaking, Israel had no one who could match this 8- to 9-foot behemoth. Fear is quite often, in the natural, a reasonable response given pound-for-pound comparisons. But that's only if you think your God is equaled by what's coming at you or your God is smaller than what's coming at you. When you believe your God is greater, come on, church. You know, we don't live this on Sundays alone. This isn't something that we come in here and we celebrate and reach the pinnacle of whatever it is we're striving to reach and then we walk out in the world and say, Oh, God, now it's life. You know, when we're walking in relationship with God and we walk out of this church, you know, I would hope that the devil is saying, oh, God, it's them again. In the workplace, oh, no, it's those, it's those spiritual weirdos again. They cause me problems all the time. God wants you to cause hell a lot of grief this week. He wants the giants that look to be formidable and seem to be bigger than you. You understand that's okay if they're bigger than us, but they're not bigger than our God. And David didn't come out in his own strength. He didn't come out in his own ability. Fear stifles our thinking and our actions. It creates indecisiveness, and it causes us really to be paralyzed from taking the appropriate course of action. Fear hinders us from becoming the people whom God desires us to be fear hinders us from becoming the people whom god wants you to be you're not going to let fear get in the way of you becoming who god has purposed for you to be you got to say hey i'm afraid i'm going to die hey i got news for you unless the rapture happens we're all going to die but until we do Come on, church, how many know what we do until we do? Amen. We fish for men and we cause havoc for the enemy. We see the, in- the kingdom of God increase through our lives. We occupy, we serve. We need people in places in society who are, who are purposely uh, uh, obeying God and, and taking not upon themselves something in presumption, but stepping into opportunities that God has given for you to be a David. There are a lot of giants running the land, and and those giants are going unopposed. And the voice of the church is strangely silent in many places. The presence, there's an absence rather than a presence. And we have to be out there. We cannot be salt, we cannot be light among those who don't know Christ if we're not out there. You cannot live an absentee life for Christ. Well, we move on here. The fact, that it be, the fact that this fear seems to have been generated or at least accelerated through Saul's example is very disheartening. Secondly, he defeats the spirit of intimidation that took center stage. Verse 4 says, Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He wore uh, bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam tipped uh, with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. And his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. I want to say today... Don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this other than say, don't, don't allow yourself to live an intimidated life. Come on, church. Stop listening to the doomsayers. Come on now. Those who will absolutely poison your faith and your expectations in life. And, you know, there, there's no shortage for every person of faith, there's probably a million of people who see no hope. And I want to challenge you to be the one who sees the hope. If everyone here represents Christ, then when you go out of this building, don't live an intimidated, timid life. He hasn't given you, what, a spirit of timidity, right? God hasn't given you that. He's given you much more, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. So you're to be the voices that declare truth. You're to be the life that is lived in the presence of people who don't know the love of God that make it very clear to them that this is more than a Sunday go-to-church experience, that this is an everyday lifestyle of love, of joy, of abundance that Jesus said. How many know Jesus didn't say, I'm going to give you a little bit of life. He says, I'm going to give you a little charge. He says, I'm going to give you an overflow, abundant life. How many are going to go rushing out, <coughs> rushing out the doors with an overflow? Amen. Oh, you just don't know how bad it is. You don't know what I'm going through. I want to tell you, I don't make light of that. I would agree with you. I have no idea. <laughs> we all got problems, all of us, and that doesn't minimize any. Some walk through profound times of grief and sorrow and disease and heartache and prolonged seasons of conflict. I don't make light of any of that. And I wouldn't be presumptuous or arrogant to do. I would be presumptuous or arrogant to do so if it weren't for the fact that I that I can say that there's someone bigger than all your issues. God is on our side. We say, "Well, hey, I want God on my side." Now that see, I think we get it backwards sometimes. I'm with Him, and He's good enough to let me be with Him. He's loving enough to be with him. You know what I mean? Oh, God, you you, you come on over here on my team. No, no, God, I'm on your team. I represent your name. You don't represent my name. You don't go forth in my name. I represent your name, and I am your ambassador. Genuine love for God and others. The world can be one if we genuinely love and we live in the truth. You know, you don't have to destroy people in order to convert people. You and I can't convert them anyhow, so to speak. God brings that moment of rebirth into a person's heart. But you know something? It's love and truth and grace. Thank God for grace. You know, everybody. it's, it's one thing to see the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But it says that he is full of grace and truth. How many here will say a big amen to grace? Amen. Grace is what God gives you when you're overmatched and overwhelmed. Grace is what God gives you when you fail. Grace is what God extends to us when we trip, and He extends the hand of grace to pick us up. And uh, Grace is what brought you here today. Grace is what brought me here today. It wasn't because I was so wonderful and God recruited me for His team. It's because he reached out to me and he offered me beauty for ashes. He anointed me with the oil of gladness, that joy, that exuberance that he gave in exchange. He made me a, he's making me to become a tree of righteousness in him. Comprehension is the call of Christ that makes it clear that the cross is not a threat. When we talk about carrying the cross, here's what we got to keep in mind. Sometimes we say that as though it's through our carrying the cross that others will come to know Jesus. No, the cross really is that which we identify fully and completely with that Christ, live, that Christ gave his life upon, and we are drawn to that significant event that took place on the cross, and our lives will always be lived in view of the cross of Christ that we identify with him, we deny ourselves, we deny our doubts, we deny our fears, and we trust in him and we serve him with all of our hearts. You see, there are hardships in life and there are difficulties and there are times when, so to speak, you will carry a cross. Uh, You will be persecuted, you'll be laughed at, ridiculed, dismissed. The intellectuals will think you're stupid and the stupid will think you're too haughty. You say, Who are you calling? I don't call anybody stupid. It's hypothetical. How many know there's a lot of hypothetically stupid people on the planet? My wife said when she got in a car with me, she had never realized that there were so many idiots on the highway until she rode with me. So that's not very pastoral. No, it's not. And that's why my wife, she's there. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit and your wives? Because if you don't hear him, she's going to come along and say, amplify it for you. <laughs> the spirit of mental occupation. I'm moving quickly. I know they're, they're, the Baptists are going to beat everyone here to the buffet today. The Methodists, the Presbyterians. They're all good people, but they're going to beat you today. But uh, first, in are thinking, well, I knew I should have gone... Baptist today. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. He strutted. You ever see somebody strut? You know, they kind of got it all together. When you're a young man, you walk with your chest pumped out, and then when you're an older man, you just tuck your chest into your drawers. (laughs) And see, here you have Goliath walking around, and he's See, David was the kind of man, he might not even have had a chest yet. So you got a guy with his chest puffed out, and then you got a kid with no chest at all. And he walks out, and he faces this giant. You know, this image of this giant just played on their minds. And God wants your mind to be clean, to be healthy, to be whole. Because sometimes people look okay physically, but up here there's problems. It's because we have become preoccupied, we've allowed ourselves to become tormented by things that have happened in the past, people that we're dealing with presently, unknown situations that are set in front of us, and that's all, all going on in our head, and, and we, get, we, we live in our head rather than living by faith. The image of the giant and his threats occupied the mind of would-be warriors. Their minds were overrun with negativity. The strong man had plundered their minds for 40 days. 40 days is a long time to have to put up with someone really who was so demeaning, insulting, arrogant. And for 40 days, they listened to this man as he promenaded out into the forefront and I don't know what might have been going on anywhere else, but it didn't matter because mind and spirit, the mind and the spirit of the Israelites were being held hostage by Goliath. Is your mind... You know, when Jesus died for you, he died for you and I to have healthy minds. You know, do you have a little towel? Rob? A little, you know, my unicorn towel? I don't, I don't have one of those. Oh, two... Thank you. That doesn't mean I'm going to go longer. It just means I'm going to finish faster because I'm going to need that second towel. But uh, David made a declaration over the situation that the kings and officers and troops should have coalesced to. They should have come around to that. Sometimes we allow the, energy, uh, our, the enemy of, to occupy our minds and to menace our thoughts and therefore disrupt our whole lives if you're here today, God wants to, and your mind's a wreck, God wants to heal your mind. He doesn't do it with illusions. He does it with substance. He, he really forgives our sin of the past. He really heals our hearts and the broken relationships that we have. He's real God. Come on, church. He's a real God. He may not change the circumstances or the people around you because sometimes that's what we focus on. God, change them! Get them out of my lives! Get this thing away from me! And I tell you, it was probably 25 years ago, I was praying that prayer, and God whispered into my heart and said, they may not change, but I want to change you. That's what's got to happen here. You can't be a warrior if in your mind you see yourself as defeated. They see us as grasshoppers, and we see ourselves that way too. Remember that? Renewing of the mind will move us from destructive and fearful disobedience and self-absorbed thoughts and mental strongholds rooted in unfocused and undisciplined minds. Obsessive, fruitless, barren, unproductive prisons god wants to break us out of today if your mind is an obsessive fruitless barren unproductive prison the holy spirit wants to take it over how many are ready for a holy spirit takeover oh who's the holy spirit well he's not a force he's not a thing he's not an it he's the third person of the trinity and he, 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 he's the administrator. He's the, uh, he's, uh, he is a, an advocate of sorts. Jesus is an advocate when he stands presenting uh, his finished work. And the ongoing work of advocacy continues through the Holy Spirit. How many know what an advocate is? An advocate is someone who stands for us, stands with us, represents us, makes a way for us. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do today. God wants you to have a healthy mind. holy spirit wants to take over and serve he wants you to serve the word of the living god the uh, uh, the uh, the eviction notice that comes with the living word of god to every lying seductive seeded poison that wants to take root in your life and to grow i'm going to read this quickly because we are going to finish 1104 don't look at your watch if you're trying to Take a peek. I just told you, it's 11.04. (laughs) 11.04, that that means we're getting close. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey God. And you know what? That begins with us doing that in our lives. When, you know, we think about Satan. Satan is the God of this world who has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness of God. And God has purposed for you to be a living definition of what Christianity is. A living explanation. A living example Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the world and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, I want to say this to you too. Here's Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, This is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you for God has not given us a spirit of fear. fear. I want you, as a believer, just to take a moment and tell fear to shut up. You say, well, we need to tell our kids, don't say shut up. Any kids in here? Okay. Fear, shut up. I mean, I could think of some other things to say. Timidity, go away not being timid. Oh, oh. You know, but the only problem with what I just did is, well, usually when people are going, oh, they're not going this way. They're going, oh, they're going that way. God doesn't want His church going that way. God wants His church going forward, wants them to go on. He says, give us spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. Can somebody give that an amen? That's God's Word. He gives us power, love, and, and self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Philippians 4, 7, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as in Christ Jesus. See, David, he really inflicted multiple defeats on the enemy, and Jesus did the same. Jesus saves us from our sin, but how many know Jesus caused a world of hurt to the devil's efforts against you? And you become a child of God. You know what that that means something here. Come on, church. That means something. That doesn't mean you got a membership in a church. There are a lot of people who have memberships in a church who never pray, never go to church, never even think about God. Membership's not going to get you to heaven. Doesn't matter what name your church, your name uh, your your what role your name's on if it isn't on that Lamb's book of life. And see here, you know, We're we're living in another economy. We're living in the Holy Spirit. I'm not perfect and I am flawed and I have my moments and I don't want you to see my bad moments. But he knows them. And I want to grow. How many of you want to grow? How many here understand that you're not a perfect person? But we're not here because we're perfect. We don't hold offices here because we're perfect. But the reason we are here is God has called us to be here and we are on the potter's wheel. I'm almost done. I'm going to ask Brian to loosen up. Where are you at, Brian? You're closer to heaven. He is. Look at him up there. You know, the rancher happens while you're up there. You don't have as far to travel. (laughs) The spirit of dismissiveness. I want to say this because, you know, we write off people. I've heard people say before they'd survey different demographics, and I've been in meetings, not here, and I mean that, not here, where I've heard people say, well, they're not the kind of people you can build a church with. And that grieved me the moment it came out, because that tells me that we're doing exactly what Jesus warned us not to do. Because <laughs> we're not, God, who's going to build this thing anyhow? Jesus said, I will build my church. Anything we build, we build for our own glory. We bu- build for our own name. Look at me. I built this, and I've done that, and I've done this, and God's not having none of it. Because if he doesn't build it, it doesn't count. The spirit of dismissiveness. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers were stayed with Saul's army. David went back and forth, and Saul at some point said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Do you see the contradiction there? He said, you're a youth, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Well, David was a warrior from his youth. David was a man who would grow as a man of old. Now here's in verse 28. Now Eliab, the oldest brother, heard. Well, oldest brother heard when he spoke to the men, David, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, "Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those sheep with in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart." Wow, what what a terrible word to speak. To a young man who was walking in alignment with God. He says, I know your pride and your insolence of heart, for you have come down here to watch the battle. Well, he was doing one thing that probably most of the others weren't doing because they were hiding. You know, David came down there, and I want to say this, so I want you to hear it very clear. You and I are in no place to disqualify others from being used by god people really get worked up if if a woman speaks or teaches or preaches and they reference that but there's a lot of other things said women should wear hair coverings too uh said men shouldn't have long hair if you're going that way i don't know that it really says that but when you point here's what i'm saying bible says that in the last days god's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh come on now church I want to hear an amen to that. God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, not just the (laughs) man. Oh, you've offended me now, Pastor. You are on such a good roll. Then you had to start, what do they call that? You had to start, you know, sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. (laughs) What? Meddling. That's it, Meddling. Oh, young people, you know, you got to wait till your day comes. You, 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 you're never going to, you know, one day you're going to grow up. Till that day. Just watch the men shoot. Watch us do it. Today's the day the young people need to step up like David. You're getting a call out from your pastor here today. Every young person who knows Jesus, this is the most critical time we've ever faced in this nation, and I believe that. People say it's no worse than it's ever been. I will take a disagreement with that every day. We need our young people at the front of the battle, not in the rear somewhere. No wonder they're disengaged and disinterested and they want nothing to do because church, a lot of times, to them is simply a formality. A ritual. Show me why it means something. You know what, church? That's why we're talking about a supernatural church. Once the Holy Spirit gets the run of this place, gets the run of my life like He wants to have, you're going to see some young men stepping up in the spirit of David and power the spirit that came upon David. I'm going to ask you to stand with me here for an hour and a half. So anything that's shorter you feel better about. Let me read this scripture to you. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters. See that? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You say, that's all right as long as they just do it to themselves. He didn't say that. He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. There's a place for the young and the old in the supernatural Holy Spirit church that God is raising up. And he says, on my servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy come on church that is a great word because it sets to freedom everybody everybody because you know something if if god didn't mean it then god would have said women are not are forbidden to prophesy instead he said no they're going to be baptized in the holy ghost and they will prophesy how many say god's in charge here god's in charge no man's in charge of this thing Not this one, not any man. This is a God movement. And finally, I said I was going to finish, and I'm just throwing this out there the spirit of defeat. I read to you from Numbers 13, not going to read it again. When the 12 spies went into the land of Canaan and they spied it out, 10 of them came back and said, We're done. We've gone as far as we're going to go because they're too big and we're too small. And they inflicted a whole generation of people with an evil spirit of unbelief. And they died short of the goal, many of them. I want to say today, if you're in this house and you love Jesus, you have to love your neighbor. You know, I said something last week and I'm not stepping it back. I'm just simply saying this. There's so much going on today today that is it's, it's evil and it's filtering through all the tributaries of our culture, filtering into the lives of so many. And, you know, it's easy to jump on and say, hey, I don't, I don't want to be a, the bad guy here. You don't have to be the bad guy. You just be faithful to the Lord. That's all that you're asked to do. But what I'm saying to you today, our children are at stake. They are at stake. I want to tell you how much I love fathers. Fathers are such a divinely created position. And you know, if you're here and you don't have children, I want to say, I heard Robin saying, you, you, you have the opportunity to be a, a, a spiritual father, so to speak, to others. You can be a mentor to other people. You can come alongside and be an influence to a young person. And you know, that means, that means eternity. I want to say for every single mom who's raised their their kids on their own, I want to say you are a champion. You are not lesser than. You're not an also-ran. You are significant, and you are powerful. And I salute you because you have made the difference in many sectors of our culture. The last thing, the spirit of irreverence. You know, the enemy is irreverent toward God. And, you know, that irreverence can somehow infiltrate the church if we're not careful. And we become indifferent and irre- irreverent toward the presence of the Holy Spirit, toward that precious name of Jesus. I guess I wanted to say this as we close. The Holy Spirit, when He takes possession, He destroys the spirit of irreverence. The the ground becomes hallowed and sacred. The air becomes charged with the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church, how many want to be in that kind of place where the air is charged with the Holy Spirit? How many want to walk out the doors with that kind of anointing on your life? Holy Spirit fullness and anointing that doesn't go away but goes with you everywhere you go. Because you're going to need it. Here we go. I, wanna, I wrote this uh, probably about a year and a half, two years ago, and I'll, I'll read it again because, you know, I, I've said this, and I, I, I do feel very strongly that our children are going to be corrupted. They are going to be misled. They are gonna, you, if you're not teaching them and you're not mentoring them and you're not loving them and you're not sharing the truth with them, the world is going to destroy them. That's what's at stake here you have a young boy he's not a girl you understand i'm going now on danger i'm not going much further i'm just going to say you got a young boy he's not a girl and you got a young lady she's not a man and i want to tell you this if you if you if you are a man and a father here today you are not to be emasculated you are not to be ignored you are not to be written off you are not inconsequential But God raised you up in His image. He is a Father. He's not Mother God. He's Father God. Come on, church. That doesn't mean men are better than women. It just means He's Father God. Jesus said, Our Father which art in heaven. And He gave you the greatest compliment that He could ever give you as His creation when He created you and He made you a Father. God created a man and a woman to, to procreate, to marry, to procreate, to fill the earth. He created men to be fathers and women to be mothers. Sacred callings, sacred callings. I'm not going any further, so if you're worried, when's he going to jump off completely? I'm just going to tell you, God's created, in the beginning, God created them, male and female created he them. You understand, there's a design here. There's a design here. And that giant has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And the threats are getting bigger and bigger. And the intimidation is raising and raising and raising. And people are afraid to lose businesses. They're afraid to lose their reputation if they take a stand for truth. I want to tell you, you can love people. You should be kind to all people. You should never discriminate in who you show kindness and and real respect and love toward. But you've got to know the truth. And you've got to live the truth. Your absence is going to create great damage to this world if you say, I'm just staying out of this. You can't stay out. You can't stay out. Here we go. I'm going to share this. I was thinking about the man who said, uh, when Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, who is my neighbor, you know? And I thought, who is our neighbor? I'm going to tell you this. I, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. The neighborhood's a lot bigger than what we think. Everybody we meet in life will be our neighbor. Doesn't matter what kind of life they're living. Doesn't whether matter whether they believe in God, don't believe in God. Doesn't matter whether they're heterosexual, homosexual. Doesn't matter. I'm not saying that doesn't. I'm just saying they're going to be your neighbor no matter what. And you're called to love your neighbor. I'm called to love my neighbor as myself. And that's beyond my pay grade if it weren't for the Holy Spirit and the work of God. So here's what I wrote. And if I can see it, I took my glasses off and now I got sweat running in my eyes. So, uh, our neighbors are those who we encounter in life. I'm going to try to put these back. The sweat makes my glasses slide down my nose and it runs in my eyes. They are those who we've already encountered, they're those who we will encounter. And they are those who don't realize that we we have we, whom we don't realize we've already encountered. They are quite literally our neighbors, and they are the strangers that we encounter in day to day life. They are people of Christian faith. They are people of different faiths. They are people of no faith at all. They are deists, theists, atheists, agnostics, humanists, and those who defy any characterization. They are moral, they are immoral. They are pleasant and they are unpleasant. They are married, they are single, they are heterosexual, they are homosexual, they're transsexual, they're pro-life, they're pro-abortion. Someone celebrating 50 years of marriage and someone sleeping with a different person all the time. They are similar and they are not like us at all. They like us, they dislike us, they despise us, they hate us. They don't even know we exist. They smile at us, they frown at us, they shift between the two so quickly and so often that we don't know if they're happy or angry with us. They are middle class, lower class, upper class, educated, uneducated, cultured, uncultured, Thoughtful, thoughtless, grateful, ungrateful, of varied ethnicities from every people group near and far, but they are our neighbors, and we are responsible for how we respond to them. You know, that's the key here. You know, I'm not big in standing on a street corner, and I don't condemn. I'm not gonna I, that's not me so much standing and holding you're going to hell, and you're going to hell. I think, you know, people need to know there's redemption available. There's a better way available. And we're not here to beat our chest and say we're anti this and we're anti that. And we don't like, we're not, a you know, we we have to see the poison as it's streaming through our culture and destroying lives. But in the process, we can't scoop up those for whom Jesus died and destroy them. One life to live, one life, that's all you get. You're not coming back, not coming back. You leave this world, you're not coming back as a cow, a horse, a chicken, a bird, a plane, or a a cicada. Is that what they're called? Cicada. If that's the case, we had a lot of people came back. But today's the day. I'm going to tell you, church, the only way we can do this, the only way we can do this, because everything I preach to you, I can't do Amen. without God doing it in me. Amen. Without God doing it in me. I got to tell you, I don't, I don't like a lot of what I see, and there's people I don't like in the natural. I don't like, I don't like to be around them. I don't like to. But you know, God's going to, one day I'm going to stand before Him. And he, he could say, Why did you turn your back on the people for whom I died? I went to the cross of Calvary for everybody and you turned your back on them because you didn't agree with them or you didn't like them. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the Holy Spirit who ministers Christ in this house, who ministers Christ to the world. We pray that we'll have a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit all across this house. Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, the old men, the young men, the older ladies, the young ladies. Lord, teacher and student, Leader and followers of Christ. Lord, we just believe in lead, those who follow, Lord, those who lead in Christ is what I want to say. I, you know, I want to say to you today, Lord God, we're here, we're accessible, we're available. Lord, pour the Holy Ghost out on this church. This church needs a real outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what you need because everything I said today is beyond us if it's not for the power of God at work in our lives. Lord, fill this house with the Holy Spirit today. Fill this church to overflow. Fill this body, Lord God, with Holy Spirit light. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.